Hey everyone, this is Jose Palomino, CEO of Valley Prop Interactive and your host for Business Growth on Purpose. And today's guest is Oscar Roach. And what we're gonna talk about with Oscar, and he's gonna be joining us from Australia where he's based, is a different way of thinking about getting things done in organizations, a different philosophy, a different way of looking at projects. So it's gonna really stretch your thinking a bit, gonna challenge you, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So let's pay close attention as Oscar Roach joins us right now. Welcome, Oscar, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, Oscar, uh, so just for our audience to give a little context, uh, what are you doing? Who do you do it for? Uh, So um, I'll start with who do I do it for? We work for companies who have a, uh, you know, a, a reasonably long-term objective, three to five years to improve business performance. And I guess there's three elements to companies that we work for. They have three to five year objective or view of where they want to be in terms of a business. <clears throat> they recognise that the frontline leaders are pivotal to getting there. Uh, generally, they're the meat and the sandwich. So they uh, needs to be, you know, the company needs to recognise that without the capability of frontline leaders, they're not going to get to where they want to need to be. That's two. And the third thing is they need to pay. Okay. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> and, and that might sound a little bit harsh, but if, you know, we work out pretty quickly whether companies are prepared to pay. And that's not about us earning money. Um, Jose, to be honest, it's about our, uh, is the organisation prepared to invest in their people? Sure, that's really yeah. what it comes to. We, you know, the judgment for uh, the, the quick judgment is, um, you know, sussing out whether they're going to be able to pay. But that's not really what we're about. It's not about putting money in our bank. It's about working with people who truly recognise the value of people and are prepared to invest in them. Okay. And are these mostly in your world, mostly manufacturing concerns or yeah. other industrial companies? Or it could be any kind of company. Yep. So good example, uh, doing quite a bit of work at the moment with one of our state police organizations and our federal uh, federal police. So federal, our federal police cover any crime that happens, uh, crosses our shores. So drugs coming in, uh, that sort of thing. So they're a, a good example of a, a very much non-manufacturing organization we're working with at the moment. Okay. So just for our listeners and to put further context on that, you're, you're, we're speaking to you now, you're in Australia, I'm in Philadelphia. So, uh, yes. and so you're th- you, what you describe almost sounds like our FBI. In, in the- uh, yeah. Similar. Yes, exactly right. Okay. All right. Yeah. The state police work within the state boundaries and uh, what, a crime that crosses state borders, that's where they work. The federal police, any crime that crosses the international border. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, so Oscar, you know, what I, uh, you hit on this idea of the three to five year objective, right? So if we, if we work At that least. back, if we, yeah, so if we work that back in time from today, we're yes. time in 2022 when this episode will publish, um, we went back three years. Wow, the world looked a lot different than it did three years plus a day before that, right? So that kind of what we like to call strategic agility, right? So you you focus on leadership, a lot of leadership development and so on. Um, You know, what, what, what have you learned working with the companies you work with who, those who have managed this transition over the last two, three years, what are some new lessons maybe that we've learned for business, you know, with such an extreme set of circumstances that we've all gone through in the world? I think probably, I think that's where, this is where, 
uh, the public has really struggled and that's been reflected in the pressure they've put on the government. But I think one of the main uh, learnings out of this is it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know how we're going to get there. I know we have to get there, but it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know what the pathway is going to be. But we, that doesn't mean we just fl- uh, swing in the breeze. Right. That means the companies that have say that and then progress and do things well are companies that have a pattern of thinking to latch onto. Uh, so rather than latching onto a defined pathway, which over the last three years would have been nigh on impossible, just about everyone would have fallen off a defined pathway. Yeah. Rather than latching onto that, it's latching onto a, a, a pattern of thinking that will get us to our destination. I think the companies that have done that best um, uh, are the ones who've sort of survived best. Um, but I think that's a real struggle for, particularly for the government. I've really noticed that is, you know, you tell the general public, well, I'm not sure how we're going to get there, but this, but we will get there and this is how we'll think. The general public won't buy that. They want to know the pathway. So therefore the right. governments have tried to predict the pathway um, and that's impossible. And then they're criticised for uh, not, uh, not getting the pathway right which I think is uh, pretty unfair in an environment like this. Well, well, you know, you think, you think about um, at some level, you know, as an organization, a government is another organization, companies, you know, basically is it, you know, there's a hierarchy, there's people and so on, but it's all so interconnected. Yes. And, uh, and the reality is, that, you know, over the last couple of years, I mean, I, I saw companies that you thought would thrive that really struggled and others that thought they would struggle that all of a sudden thrive. They just happen to be, you know, they made plexiglass uh, shields and uh, now yeah. they, they can't keep up. But, but I've also yeah. uh, I've also talked to owners who who ramped up to handle things for like PPE and things like that, only oh, to have yeah. these POs just like drop, like yes. just like the music stop, like musical chairs. And now they're twice capacity. They yes. just leased all this new equipment and it wasn't, you know, now they're kind of in a bad place. So yes. you hit on a term patterns of thinking. So I want to yes. explore that a little bit because I, I really do think there's a there's a, a, a seed of the answer and how do you handle these different things? So why don't you just, if you don't mind, expand a little bit on what you mean by patterns of thinking because that really intrigues me, that that phrase. Okay. Well, the pattern of, uh, I'm referring to a particular pattern of thinking that's you know, in scientific thinking and that's quite different to the scientific method. It's not as rigid as the scientific method. The pattern of scientific thinking essentially says, what's our goal? Where are we headed? What's our current situation? We're not going to get there in one go. So what's a point we can pick in between that we know we must achieve to be able to get to the big one? Uh, Why can't we do that now? And what um, things can we do to work out how we can get around those can'ts? So in other words, that interim point, there'll be reasons we don't do that now, but what can we practice? What can we try out to see how we get around those obstacles to be able to achieve this interim condition, which is a step towards the goal? That's essentially the the business pattern because one of the things that was said to me about two years ago or three years ago was if you think about it, people write project plans from the maximum point of uncertainty. And when the person said that to me, I found I sort of took a while to go through my brain because I was a, I, up until the, about 2010, I was a bit of a project planner. 
In fact, I was a, that was my life, if you like, and I wrote project plans and I was told I wrote really good ones. Um, and then I was told by a client that the problem was I didn't adjust during those project plans based on what I learned. And I f- it took me a while for that to sink in as well. But when this person said to me, you know, you were writing project plans from your maximum point of uncertainty, I thought, wow, uh, I wish I'd had that cross my mind uh, 15 or 20 years ago because it changes your perspective. It changed my perspective completely. And it's, when you think about it, it's, it's quite illogical. Well, that's interesting. Right. So, so you can't, well, I don't know. So do you not have project plans or no. do you write them differently? You write them differently. So the plans I have now uh, tend to, contain, tend to contain, contain conditions that we're going to aim, that we believe we need to achieve, conditions that we believe we need to achieve on our way to our goal, but they don't contain how we're going to achieve those conditions because when you use a pattern of thinking to achieve them. That's the first thing. The second thing is that every project plan is considered to be a, a hypothesis. Okay. In other words, this is what this is the stages we think we're going to need to achieve to get to the goal, but it is a hypothesis. And if it's a hypothesis, we review it regularly and we may need to adjust based on what we learn. And if we do adjust, that's okay. It doesn't mean we were wrong back at the start. It means that it was a hypothesis, we adjusted. And that's okay. That's part of testing. You know, really what we're doing when we have a hypothesis and trying to follow it is we're testing it, aren't we? So if our project plan contains is hypothetical, this is what we think we need to achieve and we're going to use a pattern of thinking on our way, then uh, essentially we're testing it. Well, it's interesting because a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs can relate to that, but I, I know, you know, I have just friends who are not entrepreneurs who are very like organizational citizens, so to speak. And, they sometimes don't understand why a business has to change course because to them it's like you just you know you lay out the path you put the budget in place and and you know even the biggest companies you know the last two years just made it kind of equal for everybody the same kind of uncertainty but in the real world a lot of big companies i mean even you know apple had products that failed microsoft had products that failed these are companies that are seen as the pinnacle of success yeah. So I, I love that idea in the maximum point of uncertainty is where you begin. Yes. So how do you, how can you carve that project plan in concrete when you, when that's when you have all the things you don't know yet? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was the, when I thought about that, because I'm pretty left brained, uh, very left brained. So uh, I guess when I thought about that, I thought, you know, as I said earlier, I wish I'd been told that 15 or 20 years ago, although you know, I may not have recognised it. So perhaps I would have thought, well, that's that sounds like crap and ignored it. Perhaps it was a stage I was at which enabled me to, to question my own way of thinking, if you like. But um, it, it, as I said, it doesn't mean you don't have a plan, but it's recognising that the plan is in stages and, it's a, and it is a hypothesis. And that changes the way you think fundamentally. And I'll tell you what it does, which I really have enjoyed. It's very liberating. So, um, you know, managers... I say to manage if you can, you know, if you it'll be completely liberating if you can adjust to this way of thinking because you're now saying I don't need to know that I don't need to know the the nine steps that are going to get me to that point and I don't need to tell everyone else and I'm not going to be wrong if they don't happen. Um, so so the, so the, to adjust to this way to the way of thinking that I'm illustrating is um, completely it, it takes a leap of faith. But uh, it's very liberating if you can make that leap. So now, as a let's, say, 
so let's say, uh, you know, as an owner, as a leader, as a CEO, um, listening to this and saying, okay, Oscar, that, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I got it. I, I can kind of see the wisdom of that. But you see, I got all these people I got to bring along with me and they kind of like it when I present really structured, definitive plans. This is what we're going to do. So how does that leader get everyone? Because like you said, it's a leap of faith. So it's not a trivial adjustment in thinking. It's, yes. it's like a real, it's a sea change. It was for you. It's yeah. kind of like one of those light bulb moments. How do you translate that downstream into your organization so you can okay. all start working that way? So the first fundamental thing that a leader at the top has to cross the br first bridge they got to cross is 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 a is a is a, uh, establishing a culture where mistakes are okay now let me just qualify that and if people are listening to this they're not going to see what i do but mistakes are okay within this box of risk okay. so we're not saying a mistake that burns the factory down or burns our building down is okay. Please don't think that's what I'm saying. But mistakes are okay within this box of risk. That's the first thing. So when someone tries to do something and it doesn't work and that was within the box of risk, it's going up to that person and saying, well done, brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Now tell me what you've learned and based on that, what are you going to do next? So that's a fundamental, rather than a lot of organisations we work for who love working for managers who establish a pathway and tell them this is why it's going to work is because when it doesn't work, it's not their fault. They can say, well, the boss said to do it. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a release if you like. Uh, and, and often, not all organisations, but many organisations where that is the culture, they're living that way because there's fear of making a mistake. So fundamentally, the very first thing a leader needs to get across is congratulating people for making mistakes within the box of risk. So I love the picture of the box of risk, right? Because you, there are parameters, right? So this is yeah. But but what it also does it encourages the organization and everyone in it to really be learners, like and exactly. And, and so so it almost sounds like you start defining milestones less as achievements as much as learnings because that yep. leads to more achievements is that is that a good way to look at it absolutely so there's an article that was written in 1999 called the dna of the toyota production system by spear and bowen it's in the harvard business review um, and in that article it says toyota aims to create a community of scientists and i just thought that's brilliant because that encapsulates what you just said and so things in that, you know, try things within the box of risk. And they also say in that article that all their, their, their stand, they, re, they typically regard their standards and their systems and their processes as hypotheses, as I allow. In other words, we believe if we follow this procedure, this is the outcome. But the only way we'll find out is by following it. And if it doesn't, then our hypothesis was wrong, we'll need to adjust. So in other words, everyone is thinking scientifically. We've developed this community of scientists. And I just thought that's a, you know, imagine that that would be a utopian company that truly does that. Because if you think about it, as a, if you think about it, if you've got that, then you can take your organisation absolutely anywhere. So, you, you, you know, if all of a sudden the world changes and we need to adjust our goal, uh, we need to adjust where we're heading, our five-year plan, then if you've got people who are, thinking scientifically and we've got this community of scientists practical scientists in the way they go around their work you can take that organization absolutely anywhere 
I would argue that nothing, uh, there's very little that, that could get in your way. There's very little that could prevent you reaching that five-year goal. Wow. So I'm still thinking a little bit on this in terms of uh, leadership and, and getting people to this. So I guess my question would be, is this like, let's have a town hall meeting. We used to think this way. We're all going to think differently now. Or is this a process where you start teasing this in with certain leaders? You start, maybe some people just, you know, never going to be able to make this adjustment and they have to find other opportunities. I think what you said then, no, you don't make a town hall announcement because that won't work. Um, It's what you said the second time around is that we get uh, enough people on board to be able to say we're going to we, this is the this is the way we're going to go. I'm going to, going to see what happens by going this way. So you need enough to get started, and that's not many, by the way. It's not fifty percent, because most workplaces, and this is a good thing, most workplaces, eighty percent people. We always say that eighty percent of the people come along to do their job. Ten mm-hmm. percent of the people come along to do their job and think, and ten percent come along to do their job and criticize and throw stones. So, <laughs> so you don't need that 10, we need to identify that 10% who are going to come up, jump on this bus right. and we're going to have a crack at this new way of thinking. And the managers, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, it's again that you're not telling them what it's going to look like because you don't know, but we do know what principles and philosophies we're going to apply within our business and we're going to see what happens. And these are the principles and philosophies. So it's picking your 10% and starting roughly and starting with those guys and those people and then building from there. And some of, and you know, a lot those you'll be, people are surprised the 80 out of that 80%, there'll be a couple of people that'll, that, you know, the, the, the day to dayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in a critical way. All businesses need that 80% to, to do the day to day work. Yeah. Um, but a couple of those will come on board as well. So it's, it happens over time. I'm working with a um, construction company in Iowa um, called Story Construction, and they are a terrific example of what I'm talking about. And they and they've they've gone through the, these kind of stages. Of they get, they're going through it. They haven't gone. They'll never. That's the other thing. You've never gone through it. Okay. <laughs> you're going through it. Okay. And you're always going through it. And, and I guess once yeah. people are, have 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 embraced it. They don't need that reminder. That's what. That's just like that's how they how they roll from that exactly. point forward. And Jose, you're dead right. It's not for everybody. So, and what I always say, and you know, we're, we can be so thankful we live in the Western world because, uh, particularly at the moment, we've got choice. So, if this is not, if this style of of think, if this style of um, operation, of this style of of a modus operandum, is not for you, then that's uh, perfectly fine. But we need to help you find. We need to help you find a job somewhere else. Ultimately, that should be that, right? Especially at the leadership level, which can really, Absolutely. like I said, if that ten percent of critics who throw stones is yeah. in your leadership team, yeah. and there will you have, be, you have, and of course, inevitably. So you you have to work that out sooner than later. I would think that has to be. You'd have to be a little firm on that, no. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things we do really early on is, is say to uh, when this happens, because it will, what's, how are we going to handle it? So we declare that early on. You know, when 
you will find people at all levels of your organisation where who won't fit. Therefore, when it happens, how are you going to handle it? Let's talk through that through that now. So when it happens, we're not. It's not a surprise. It's not. Oh, what do we do now? Type thing. We had this with an organisation, slightly different context. <clears throat> a dairy company here in Australia in the about seven or eight years ago, and this no, it's more than that. It was in 2012. We came up with what we called the 2015 supervisor. So this is, we're 2012 now, this is what the 2015 supervisor is going to look like and we're going to head towards that essentially. Now, three of the existing supervisors at the time went back to being operators over that three years, between 2012, 2015, three out of about 25 or so went back to being operators. And you know what? They were happier and the company was happier. Everyone was happier and that was fine. That was perfect. They, they stayed in the job. Their job became more fulfilling. They're just the style of supervision we were aiming for uh, uh, and achieved was not for them. Right. And, and no problem. And, you know, it's interesting, but yet they, they, they will benefit from that new style as uh, frontline contributors now, which is correct. a little ironic. Were, but <laughs> yeah, it is. And they were, they were classics. Those two, those three were classic situations of really good operators, great operators who were promoted to being leaders, but they, but this, you know, that, that was misunderstood. Well, it wasn't misunderstood. It was when they, when we come up with this 2015 model, that, that style there, what we were seeking wasn't for them. Right. Well, you know, it's it, but it's a win-win. It really is. Absolutely. Because it's clarity. You know, all too often, especially in smaller privately held firms, there's there's not clear communication on expectations or yep. how to be successful, what, whatever that looks like. It's it, and so you end up with somebody who's, you know, maybe pretty good at engineering and customer service. Before you know it, they're the VP of sales, but they have none of the equipping to be a real VP Correct. of sales, or worse, yeah. VP of marketing because they kind of know how to how to update a website or something, you know, it's like, it's, it's interesting, just getting people in the right roles where they could be successful. And this way of thinking seems like a nice meta to say, this is what we can all kind of agree to in how we can roll together. Yeah. Or we have the choice to agree to. And if you don't agree to it, that's fine. But we need to help you do something else. (laughs) Wow. Well, we don't agree to, it's more, we don't agree to give it a go. Right. Because you don't know what you're agreeing to. That's the truth. It's the same thing as the project plan from the maximum point of uncertainty. You agree, you're agreeing to something from the maximum point of uncertainty. So how the hell can you really understand it? You can't. But what we're agreeing to is we're going to give it a crack and see what happens. I, I love the, 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 uh, the spirit of that because it also feels, you know, especially for a company that maybe is a little bit stuck, isn't sure what to do next. It's like, well, why not? Why not try a different way of doing things? Yeah, uh, I exactly. Mean, you know, because it, chances are, if they're not, if they're looking at this, is because they're looking for something else, something more, and it's not a new SEO strategy, or no. you know, we just have to add a new, we have to have some inside salespeople. That's going to be the thing. It's yeah. it's much more profound than that. Yeah, and it's it's fundamental. It's fundamental and profound, but it's not a silver bullet either. Okay, I, I, I appreciate bit, that. Yeah, takes a bit. Of, it takes some uh, commitment, and and one of the um, the uh, oh shit, I've forgotten the submarine captain. What's that submarine captain who's written a heap of books and stuff um, with the U.S. Navy? 
Oh, his name's gone. Wow. Or come to I us after we're done. I'm sorry, he's getting on. But uh, people, if the submarine captain who's with the US Navy, uh, David McKay. Okay. David McKay. He's a brilliant, you know, he's a brilliant exponent of what I'm talking about. And his stories and uh, you know, about his experience on the Santa Fe, which was a submarine that was the worst performing in the Navy, uh, in the US Navy, to the best performing in the US Navy. The story around that is a brilliant case study of what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, that's a right. reference. We'll add that to our show notes as well. And, yeah. and Oscar, look, this has been, a, I love this conversation. I love the idea of how the power of like a philosophy to shape an entire organization. And oh, so right. if somebody Thank listening says, well, gee, this sounds interesting. And they want to know more about you or how to contact you. Where should they go? Two things they can do. Email is Oscar, uh, O-S-C-A-R at VW being the first two letters of the car maker. Okay. VW. And then AUST, which is the first four letters of Australia.com. Oh, that's okay. And then our, our website is VWAUST.com.au. Okay, perfect. Oscar, thank you so much for stopping by at Business Growth on Purpose. We really appreciate it. No worries, Jose. I enjoy conversations like this. It's sort of one of the, I've got a little thing on the wall just to the left. You can't see it. It says, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. So conversations like this always sort of test that out a little bit. So I appreciate it. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Jose. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.